Welcome to the Curious Creators Podcast, the place which allows you to explore your imagination, creativity, and listen to expert insights from the world of art and design. Today, I'm talking to Tom Ecklin. And Tom graduated from the BA in Fine Art with honors from Glendon University in 2021. He is now a graduate artist in residence at the School of Creative Arts. Tom is a studio holder at Periclo, an artist-run studio complex initiated by curator James Harper. A multidisciplinary artist, Tom has a versatile approach to his art practice that includes painting, model making, and sound installations. For this podcast, I'll be speaking to Tom about his art practice, his residency, and the influences that have been so important to his work. So, Tom, tell me a little bit about your artistic journey, your artistic education, uh, to where you are now as an artist in residence at Glendor University. Um, well, it started when I was in um, Colour Cambria Foundation. Mm-hmm. And that, well, before that, I dropped out from level three because they wanted me to do the second year and I didn't want to. So I took a year out and went to work and I realised I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life if I don't go back. Mm. So um, I'd done the foundation course and it was the best decision I ever made because it really um, threw me back into being creative again. And when I was doing that, I thought of myself more as a mixed media artist. So I'd be creating these textures, um, and just various other things, really. So, um, but from there, I came into um, the BA course, and I still thought of myself as a, a mixed media artist. But then, I don't know. Think like with modules, things get changed around, and obviously you learn new things. So, I then found um, other artists as well because I was never really big into researching artists until then. So. From there, I came across Francis Bacon, and I thought he was such an exquisite painter. And then, I, like works of um, Alex Merritt and other artists, that kind of threw me into more painting, like realistically in a way. And then, well, from there, just everything's kind of fallen into place for me. Right. To do my work. Right. Right. So, so you you completed the foundation. Yeah. You. G- Yes, and so. then you said, okay, well, what, what's the next step? So the next step is a BA, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then you, you, you kind of apply for Glendore University. Yes. Right? yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of a funny story, really, because I never really wanted to actually go into uni. Uh-huh. But it's like a part of a, I can't remember what it was called, but we had to apply for universities. UCAS. Yeah, that was yeah. it. It was like a, a thing that we had to do. So I applied for Glendore as well, and it was the best decision I ever made. Like I wasn't really like big on going to uni, but I'm I'm just glad I did. Yeah, yeah. So on 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 the um, the kind of BA program, I suppose this is like where you really start to um, kind of like explore what art practice is and the various different types of art practice yeah. uh, within it. So just you know through each year. You know, just give us a little bit of a flavour of 
kind of how you progressed on those programs to get where you are today? Um, <clears throat> well, in my first year, um, there was a project where we had to dress up as like an influential artist. So at the time, I was really big into Francis Bacon, so I dressed up like Francis Bacon. And um, I then produced this triptych right. of myself, and it was based on a song, um, and it was like kind of based around looking or searching for life after death, like there's an afterlife. So that's kind of it for the first year. That was like my main thing, really. That's kind of what threw me into doing the same or similar work in the second year as well. Where, well, in the second year, I started to look at um, kind of like the end of the world because at the moment it was really relevant as well because towards the, well, just after Christmas, that's when COVID happened. And um, it it was just really relevant at the time. And I was already looking into this stuff like well before. So I was looking into um, like nuclear war books from the 80s when that when it was all kicking off then. Um, and then reading books like Scarf, Scarfolk, is it Scarfolk? That one. Um, just these like various things. And I found them really interesting. I don't know why, but it was just like this little comedic side to it. And then obviously I went into um, the League of Gentlemen as yeah. well, and I found that <laughs> like just really entertaining because it was in this like middle of nowhere like place, and I just it was just really funny, and the themes which it revolves around as well was really dark. It kind of resonated with, like my practice at the time as well. So, um, but in, in the second year, um, I was, I'd done a piece. Um, I think it was called One Minute to Midnight. I think, right. or ninety seconds to midnight. It was one of them, and it was this big, huge landscape piece with a figure standing in the front, and uh, it, it was it was a pretty big piece as well, you know, and. I, I had a lot of back like back and two with it. It was like an, an argument going on with it because I couldn't get it to how I really wanted it. But then, after doing research into other artists, finding other p like people to influence me, I actually managed to kind of spice it up in a way which I found to be the best place to leave it where it was. And I, I've still got the piece today. I still really love it. So that's kind of an important element in terms of yeah. you know kind of a, a kind of developing theme and also developing way of, of practicing. Yeah. So in the third year and your 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 degree show, tell us a little bit about that show and, and kind of yeah. how it. So. How it's. I'll start off at the beginning. Um, I went into uh, third year, and I started to change these models that I was making over lockdown. And at the end of second year, and I started making them into paintings. So I was doing, and then I was doing vice versa. So I'd make a painting based off a model. And that became my thing. But then about a quarter of the way through the year, I kind of just dropped painting. And I went into like making these eerie little scenes of these, say, like a figure in a, in a, in a dome. On a, on a rock in the middle of the ocean with her shopping 
or um, a house split in half, surrounded by mirrors, or even like like this strange monolith in the middle of a like a tiny forest with kids dancing around it. And I just got into this little um, theme of eeriness and kind of darkness or underlying darkness in my work as well. So I think around around the January that last last year mm-hmm. we had we had to start thinking about the degree show and um, because it wasn't open to the public I kind of thought I had to change how I'm going to do things so I realized not many people are going to see these little models I'm going to be making so I kind of changed I, I flipped everything how it's supposed to work so I started making these um, ghosts in a way it was like just these hollowed out shrouds really and they were some of them were able to stand up on their own um but most of them didn't (laughs) ended up falling over every day i came in and that really changed the way my degree show looked at the end of the year so but you were working with that rather than seeing as a a, a kind of issue so yeah oh i loved it i absolutely loved that they were falling over because it 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 worked in a way where it fit perfectly into what I was looking into, like this whole disintegration and these things just falling down. And I really loved it because even the way they fell, they'd like kind of like crack mm-hmm. or or just bend in ways. And it was really exciting. It wasn't what I wanted to happen for the degree show, but I still I still found it like amazing. I, I just really liked it. Mm-hmm. Is it because of the way that, you know, you have a, as you, as you started to suggest in, in, in what you were talking about for the third year, there was a, a sense of the, you know, in, in interest in, in disaster. Yeah. <laughs> of things breaking down. And yeah, so, yeah, of course. Of, you know, uh, yeah, and, and, and kind of some tragic, yeah. you, know, you know, like these objects are kind of like c- collapsing around. You know, yeah. Maybe it was kind of some type of condition. Yeah. You know. Particularly at that point, because again, you know, we were kind of enduring in and out of lockdowns constantly at that time yeah. as well. So it's having influence of that. I mean, also, I'm going to come back to a few things, you know, this idea of you, you mentioned the League of Gentlemen. Yeah. And then you mentioned this idea of, you know, um, um, nuclear war, etc. And, 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 and also, you know, within the League of Gentlemen, this, this world that's created yeah. um, within it, which reflects some of the dioramas, I think. I yeah, think definitely. that would be the word that you know you'd use in, in regards to that. Um, I, I want to come back to that later, yeah, sure. later on, but I just wanted to maybe um, talk a little about your working process, okay. you know, and just maybe kind of even just tell us about a day in the studio for you, you know, okay. the types of things that happen, the types of conversation that you have with the work, etc. Yeah. Okay. So um, usually I get in at around ten, half ten. Sometimes it's a bit later. Uh, I'll get in, make a coffee. Um, if I haven't already started a piece, I would just lay it down in front of me, draw, draw a grid on it, um, start sketching out what I want my initial idea to be. Um, with my recent work, I've been kind of careless with how I paint, really. like I wouldn't say I use traditional methods, in a way. Um, I just jump into it 
with just block big like colors out mm -hmm. and then maybe wait for it to dry uh, like stuff like that and then yeah. if it's maybe the next day or even the same day I'll just go back over it with different colors maybe mix them together so usually a piece would only take me one or two days it just depends on um, how detailed I want it to look or um, or if there is any detail on it really so if there isn't it could take a day if there is detail you have to work in layers which can be frustrating because I'm really impatient and I want it to be done now so and I don't I don't like waiting around so if I have to wait I'll usually pick up a maybe an older piece and then go back onto that just in case there's something I can add to with maybe a highlight or a shadow yeah, they don't take too long, really. So it's about you know finding a place to focus, yeah. to finding that si a, a situation. So you go around just you know cup of coffee, etc. Yeah. Initially, just to almost psych yourself up into yeah. what you're preparing for that day to do. Yeah. And also, we're, you know, we're talking about painting at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, Which is yes. something that is, is is that you're you're focusing on at this particular time. So. Um, within your painting process, and you you highlighted Bacon earlier yeah. on, which had, who has a certain type of process uh, yeah. to his to his practice, etc. I mean, do you did you learn to paint from Bacon at all? I mean, was that a kind of big influence in regards to well, I want to be a painter, yeah, but how do you paint? Um, well, I'd like to say I taught myself how to paint. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, when I was doing my uh, level three in Calacambria, I was big into painting them, but I've never picked up a brush like in that way. Where at that point, I thought you could wash oil paint with water. <laughs> so, okay. you know, like, that, like the the tutors, they were fantastic, but they weren't really painters. Mm. They were more maybe graphic design or. Uh, printmaking and I as much as I love printmaking it's yeah. just not for me it's too time, like what's it time consuming but yeah anyway so um, yeah I kind of had to talk, teach myself how to paint so how I do it is well at the time I was very big into Salvador Dali right so what I do is I would get a viewfinder and just capture a small element of his work and then try replicate it as close as I can so if in, in that period, if I ever found an artist I really liked, I'd do the same process. So I would get like just pinpoint a little aspect of the picture, and then do it in my in as close as I could could to the way they done it. Okay. So then in that way, I would kind of like absorb how they worked, and then take it into myself, and that's how I done it in. Um, the first year on BA, on the BA course, I would I'd find, say with Francis Bacon, I'd find a piece of his work and I'd try to replicate it as close as I could. So I, kn I knew he used to work on unprimed canvas, so I tried that. Huh. Um, and that was really interesting, but it wasn't my thing. But then I knew how to do some of the strokes he does on the canvas, or even just go back in with the detail, stuff like that. Yeah. So. Or he, 
I'd just try and replicate someone else's work to teach uh, myself how to you, do it, really. Yeah, you, you're looking at the mechanics, yeah. the thing that's underneath you know, yeah. the hood, so to speak, in terms of painting and, and saying, well, you know, does that suit my particular type of you know, attitude? Or does that, you know, does that approach suit me more in terms of what I'm trying to communicate, yeah. etc.? Fantastic. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about your, your um, I suppose, the, 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 how the practice has changed. Because you're now graduate artist in residence. And as a graduate artist in residence, that's, that's kind of like, you know, a, 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 a quite a, 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 a special thing to, to, to be. Because you, you've graduated from the program and now you're able to have a studio space and to uh, have time to develop a body of work. Uh, that will be eventually shown um, at the end of the at the year, at the end of the year, the same as the, with the degree with the degree show, etc. So, just you know, and you talked earlier on about your third year. So, if you could just maybe perhaps discuss how you think the work has changed from your level three, uh, sorry, your your level six work to where you are now. So, just give us a little overview of. <coughs> You know, how you feel as if the work's developed from then? Um, I'd say it's developed in a very drastic way, really. Because mm -hmm. towards the end of uh, level six, I was creating these sculptures. And, um, well, now I'm doing painting. I do other bits on the side. Yes. But I did go back into create creating those sculptures again, but on a smaller scale. Just only because it was all about transporting and obviously I found out last year that they didn't work so well and they were falling over so I started using action men instead <laughs> instead right. of full size mannequins uh -huh. um, and they've worked really well they've they've stayed up but it's kind of a way how I see it, it's like I'm just giving them a different life really like bringing air back to them so I wanted to create them again, but in a way where I can transport them and remember it. And that's how I feel about that, because at the end of last year I had to throw away so much and a lot was yeah. lost and I've only yeah. got one left now. And it's quite, it's quite sad because I really, I wouldn't say I had a connection to them, but there was just something about them and I really liked the, the impressions people would get from them. Like, some people would say they're scary, other people would think that they're amazing. You know, there's lots of yeah. mixed feelings about how they were, and I just really like that aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what I found fascinating is that, you know, um, in terms of medium, etc., you, you, or what I observed from looking at your work in the studio is that you, you have that ability to work you know, through three dimensional, in three dimensions, but yeah. also through the two dimensional as drawing and painting, etc. And there's a, you know, and there's a real element of of, of those two things having a, a, being very important to each other. You know, this idea of you talked <coughs> earlier on about this idea of how the paintings inform the models and the models inform the painting scenario, which is something again, yeah. you know, can, can can see in the work and and you know. Your paintings almost create a scenes in a way, the same as you create the dioramas. You're creating some type of almost like cinematic scene 
yeah. I think, you know, and we, maybe we can get into the idea of influences now yeah, sure, from that yeah. type of conversation. So, you know, a lot of the work, um, the paintings particularly, and, and the models, of course, there's almost this idea of the post-apocalyptic yeah. and, you know, disaster film TV shows. Can you just talk a little bit more about that influence? Um, I mean, it could be, you know, a type of TV program that you... Yeah, <laughs> kind of informs what you're doing. Um, well, there's just lots of interesting aspects around, like this apocalyptic, like scenes or the idea of it, because it's how how I see it is how would um, humankind manage? Because obviously the first few days would be pretty chaotic, like you remember with everyone going out and buying toilet roll. And stocking up on things that they never need, um, and it's probably start off like that with panic buying and just unnecessary things, and then things would just get really weird, really like because if say if like everyone just disappeared, things would start happening which haven't happened again, so animals would start to come back into say cities um, obviously there'd be no one to maintain like nuclear buildings so they'd start to like blow up yeah, seep so, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then that would go into the atmosphere and it would affect the like life cycle all around it so it would be like and then mother nature would come back in start overgrowing on things breaking things down things would be rusted falling over buildings would be unkept so they'd start to fall over, bridges would collapse. Um, it's all these different things, and I find it really interesting how things break down. Right. It's like, look, right. like when you see a, an, abandoned, an abandoned building, you can see these like ceilings falling in, or the wallpaper slowly starting to peel off, mm -hmm. and it's just because of the moisture in the air, and no one has been there to upkeep these things. And... It's just really interests me. I, I don't know why, but it's just the way these things fall and how they land. And it's kind of like like a, a crime scene in a way. Of like, what's happened here? How does how does this happen? Like, would it, it would, could it have been different in a way if these things were upkept? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking now that you're painting a very kind of interesting image there, just describing that yeah. you know scene. So I'm thinking about you know films like The Road, yeah, uh, or you know the the, the Walking Dead. Yeah. The, do 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 these Hollywood disaster films? You know, did did they, did they have some type of impact on you when you were yeah. kind of younger I mean, or something? You know that you know. Yeah, I went completely off topic there. <laughs> um, yeah, they did. Um, 2012. 2012. Um, it was an okay film, didn't like the plot, but the scenes in it, yeah. this destruction, fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, the road, very bleak, you know, but the surroundings, again, fantastic. Uh -huh. um, and I, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead. Um, I'm more in it just to see how people function, though. Is that that's interesting. Yes. So it's the human element yeah, to this, really. Even though your work, you know, in a lot of ways, your work is very much about the environment. Yeah. 
that the you know and it, you know you're creating environments and maybe that's about how the audience can respond yeah and and can maybe kind of become part of that stage set that you're creating yeah that's apocalyptic and distressed and distorted and yeah, etc things like that you know which i think again you know within your model making is references that because yeah. um, I, I, maybe you know we can kind of de develop that conversation into um, the hauntology aspect yeah. of the work and also the music influences as well yeah. because again you know tell us a little about this you talked a little bit about your dioramas that you were creating and they had they had a certain type of uh, feeling of of um, okay disaster film but also a longing of some kind yeah a haunting of some type of yeah. scenario as well so tell us a little bit about those influences of uh, around those aspects of hauntology and music um to be honest i you know hauntology mm -hmm. it's an interesting concept mm -hmm. but even after re like researching it and all that i still don't fully understand it i know it's like it's a repetition of things from the past mm -hmm. making an appearance today obviously the word um, haunt yes is there um but it's interesting mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. in a way that i don't really know because yeah. i think there's, there's, there is something i mean you know, maybe I've used hauntology, but might that might not be the term? I don't know because I remember you, you, you very, you, you, you kind of talk about the idea of music and, yeah. um, and and certain types of music that you listen to. Yeah. You know, like um, the care—is it the caretaker? Yeah, the caretaker. The yeah. caretaker who use certain type techniques, isn't it, in their work yeah. that is almost pre-digital yeah. in a way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, and, and that idea of, of, of kind of even imitating the um, the, the idea of um, the, the dust on an LP, yeah. you know, that, as the needle runs across it, etc. Or yeah. even, you know, the echoing and reverb, etc. Again, has a, has almost like a, um, an influence on what you're doing there. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's haunted by something that had been perhaps um, like a 1980s, you talk about 1980s nuclear war. Yeah. <laughs> things like that and, and but it, it and then maybe these horror films and, and disaster films also have that you know little bit of a kind of idea of something yeah that is you know we, we are kind of like pursued by um you know disaster constantly you yeah know, in our lives and maybe maybe it goes beyond hauntology into something other yeah in it than what you do you know kind of children dancing around a, a kind of like a, a what was it kind of a, a kind of comet Hit, yeah, know, yeah. Really, yeah, that <laughs> was one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Because I, I, you did do something with sound, didn't you? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. That in relationship to you yeah. know, what you're doing. Um, so with with the sound piece, um, it was there was lots of influences going on around that time. I've, I've done a a show mm -hmm. for just on. On the day of the degree show, was it? Or was it the That's day before? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was influenced by. That William was at, uh, Sorry, yeah. That was uh, at Theatre Clued, wasn't it? You could, didn't you do a show at Theatre Clued as oh, well? Oh, I, I meant yeah. the tape. Show. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That was on the day of the degree show, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, with that, I was influenced by William Brzezinski, obviously, the caretaker as well. Mm. Those two 
artists I found absolutely fantastic. Um, with William Brzezinski, it's he's such an interesting person, and the way that he got pretty much big in my eyes was from his disintegration loops, which right. was an old tape which he'd um, recorded. Say, I'm not too sure, maybe back in the eighties, and he dug it out again in two thousand and one. And he tried to digitalize it, and as he was digitalizing it, the um, is it the iron pigment, which is on a tape thing, <laughs> don't really know, but um, that was going round this recorder, and it was flaking off. And every time it went round on this loop, more and more would come off. And the longer it went, the more distorted this sound would get. And on the two. Um, 9-11 um, he went up onto his roof and played it out and recorded the last hours of the day of the aftermath of that of the attack and you could see all the smoke from where these two towers stood and the sky was just turning from pale blue into like pitch black but there was this hauntedness about it because you knew where it, what stood there, but all that was there That's now right. was the smoke. Yes. And it was obviously a horrific day. And that really st like, stuck with me. So with my work, I wanted to create this this kind of atmosphere. So I, I really researched on how to do it very quickly so I didn't have to wait 20 years. <laughs> so Deteriorating fast. Yes. <laughs> so I was... I had to cut up lots of tapes and only into like maybe five second strips so they could replay over and over again. I had to take apart a tape recorder. Um, I really had to put myself out there yeah. to find how this was going to work. So there was a few videos on YouTube. They were okay. They yes. weren't the best. Yeah. But I managed to do it in, in, in the end. And it was just of a piece that I made back in... Um, second year, okay, and it's called a theme to the end of the world, which is still relevant. <laughs> and um, I think I only used about twenty seconds of it, and this was a, a thirty-minute-long song I created. Um, it was just heavily distorted, like reverbed, echoed everything that I could to make it this kind of beautiful but haunting sound. And I had to make it so it looped kind of seamlessly in a way where you can't really tell. So I made this like kind of contraption where I had it running around these, um, what, what are they called, pins? Yes, like yeah. Just pins yeah, yeah. and nails with yes. sandpaper taped on them. Wow. So Gosh. as this tape reel went round, it like scrape off bits and then I was even adding magnets into it at the end uh -huh. because if you had a magnet, it just blanks the whole piece. So I was playing around with that and I just tapped the magnet on it and then as it would go around, you'd hear nothing and then it'd start again. And it was just doing this loop constantly and it was getting more, like, more degraded as it goes Amazing. along. Amazing. And I think on the morning of the degree show, I, they, we had, I had an hour slot and it... It went fantastic, 
because as it was going along, sometimes it'd like snag mm-hmm. and stop. So I'd yes. have to get up and restart it again. Which looking back, that really like added to it because then it was just also me helping it yeah. along its way to destroy itself, which is kind of an interesting concept when you think about it. Amazing. So uh, uh, we're coming to the end now of our, of our kind, of, uh, uh, kind of podcast. So I'm just thinking, you, you mentioned 9-11. Yeah. And, you know, I was just going to say, was that in a museum? Did you see something in a museum about that, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, back in the first year, I, or, or level uh, four, um, I went to New York. Uh-huh. Um, it was fantastic. And we went to the... Um, 9-11 memorial um, and it was being above ground it's such a like an eerie place it's kind of like being on a movie set right. where you look round, everything's fine but then you'd still get this little glimpse of something which happened on that day so maybe I think there was this sculpture I think it was I think it was of the earth or something hold, or someone holding earth but it was a huge crater in the middle of it where something wow. fell on top of it and crushed it but they hadn't like fixed it they would just left it that way so it's like this thing that this is still what happened and obviously you get the two um, waterfalls where the buildings once stood uh-huh. and in the pictures they look not that big but they were massive and every now and then you'd see like a white rose which is for like someone's birthday, and it's just been put onto the name. But then actually entering the site, it's like kind of harrowing. Yes. You see these fire trucks, which have like been absolutely obliterated, or police cars, which have burnt out. And mm. there was even like a pair of shoes, which still had bloodstains on them, wow. which was like yes. so horrific. But then there's all this, like the community came together and they like there was like, I think, a statue of the Statue of Liberty and people had stuck like flags to it, like memorial things. So obviously it's a huge grave site and, yeah. and all that. But and a memorial now, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And then you'd go around, you'd see these different, like all the pictures of everyone on that mm. day. And there was this one part where you just walk around and then I heard this sound. And I was thinking to myself, I I know this. Mm-hmm. So then I looked up and there was this like picture. It was like this well, it was like a, a video really of next William Brzezinski. And I got him up on my phone and I was like, I've got this. Oh, why wow. why don't I know yes. what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd done a little bit of reading while I was there about it, and I never knew, like, that was the um, story behind the disintegration loops. I had no right. idea, right. and right. that made me absolutely fall in love with him instantly uh-huh. because of this like, horrific story behind it. Yeah. Really interested me, and I, and I, I just kind of kick myself for not knowing why, but then that day when I found out, that's it. It's like things come together, yeah. you know, and kind of obviously it was kind of meant to happen at that oh, particular yeah. point. How amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. So I just got two more questions before we okay. close down. So, okay, 
which artist or creative would you keep returning to again and again in your work? Do you think that you go back to when you're having a bad day, you know, yeah. or when you feel I I can't think, I haven't got a creative thought in my head. Where do you go again and again? You know, to, um, to just inspire. Probably got quite a few really. Mm -hmm. There's always the main two which I stick to, which is Francis Bacon and Alex Merritt. Right. Absolutely phenomenal painters. Mm -hmm. But then. Sometimes I might branch out into Goya. Oh, yeah. You know, um, there's, there's, there's lots really, but it just depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> um, and then obviously music that mm. plays a huge part in my work. Mm -hmm. Well, to listen to anyway, I'm always listening to something. It's mostly ambient music. Right. Because that sets the scene for me. So if I'm listening to like quiet ambience, then I can paint in this like in a way. But if I'm listening to someone say the caretaker, it's kind of like something weird that I'm going to be painting. Like, do you know the film Hellraiser? Yes, yeah, you know, I in, Hellraiser. Yeah, I think it's the first one, or it might be the third one. I don't know. But there's this like kind of hellscape of these weird buildings I and know. I know yeah it's like a drink like a dream really yes but that's how I think about the the caretaker's work because there's this one album he does it's called what's it called I, I don't know yeah, it's got that. it's got a telephone on the on okay. front of it but it's like this really eerie dreamscape and if I'm listening to that I'll be painting something kind of weird and mm. eerie yeah. so yeah it's very it kind of really just takes you somewhere yeah yeah in your work and then finally on a and maybe a lighter note just kind of, um, what advice would you give to a current art student on a fine art program um well if you're a painter um never use the tone black if you're trying to paint <laughs> something realistic black okay the tone yeah. black okay <laughs> Always use a colourful grey. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Tom. It's been absolutely amazing to, no to kind of like, you know, speak to you today. Indeed. And there's so many different areas of influence and your practice, etc. So it's been really informative. So thank you again. Okay. Thanks for having me. The Graduate Artist in Residence Scheme has been running for a number of years now. Students on the final year make an application for Graduate Artist in Residence and successful candidates have the opportunity to be a studio holder at the School of Creative Arts in our Regent Street campus for a year. The residency is about giving this graduate the space and time to develop a body of work, utilise the expertise within the art school and to build a network that will help support them during the initial stages of their career. If you've enjoyed today's discussion, don't forget to follow this podcast for free on your podcast app of choice and avoid missing out on any future panel discussions. Keep up to date with us via social media at Art Design Wales and we will see you next time.